Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. We started a new series last Sunday called Resurrection. Resurrection. And I want to talk about this morning, resurrect, resurrect your calling. Your calling. How many of you, some of you may be saying, man, I don't even think I am called. Am I called? Or do I even have a calling? Well, let's try to answer that question for you. Because how many know in the Bible, in the Word of God, there's certain things that every Christian is called to? Every Christian is called to. Now, I understand that there are times people are called into full-time ministry, like myself, some are, are church, working at the church full-time or stuff. But you need to understand, you are in full-time ministry. Amen? You have a call of God on your life. And so what I want to try to do this morning is I'm going to give you a couple of things, a couple of items that we are called to do as Christians. Then we're going to talk about how, we can, how some people lose their calling and how some people regain their calling. Okay? So here's the thing. Uh, when we look at this, everybody in this room, if you're a born-again believer, you're called to do these things. Whether you, you want to accept it or not, you're called to do a few of these things. The first thing, we've been called to love the Lord with every part of our being. With every part of our being. Listen to what he says in Matthew 20, uh, 22, verse uh, uh, 37. He says, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. It's a commandment, right? Is that a suggestion? No, it's a commandment. All of us should be Totally, completely in love. Our lives should exemplify Jesus, our love for Jesus Christ. Our, our spirit, our soul, and our body. That it totally belongs to Him. Does He own everything in your life? Do you love Him with every, being of your fi- every fiber of your being this morning? Do you love Him not just, in, just when you come to church? Do you, do you live, in his li- live the life of Christ every day of your life? I know times we move into carnality and back in. How many know it's easy to move back into the carnal and get right back into the spirit? But I believe God wants us to walk in the spirit. God wants us to love him with every part of our lives. Do you believe that this morning, church? That's what he says. Now listen to this. That's something all of us are called to. You know what the other thing all of us are called to? Is this. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, how, how good are we doing with that one? How good are we doing with that? We're talking about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you. I pretty much like myself. I know all you like yourself, too. But let me ask you this. What what about your love for those across the street? What about your love for those who are lost? What about your love for those who don't know Christ? What about that love? That he's telling us, you know, I hear people all the time say, I would just want to go deeper in God, deeper in God. I'm telling you, if you did this, that'd be the deepest thing you could ever do. Are you still with me? You're awful quiet this morning. Come on. Listen, we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. The next commandment is this. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to be salt and light. This is, now listen, this list I give you is just a short list. This is not the exhausted list. If you go through the New Testament, you find Jesus and the apostles, they gave all kinds of commandments to the church that we're supposed to be about as being Christians. He says, he says in this, verse 5 of Matthew, he says, chapter 5 of Matthew 14, 
He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In verse 15, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under the basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a lampstand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You and I are the seasoning and you and I are the light of the world. That's what you're called to. That's what all of us are called to. We're not to be living lives compromised. We're not to be living lives. Uh, one moment we're serving God and the minute, next minute we're going down a different road. We're to serve God with everything that's within us. And we're to love those. Now, let me, as he's talking about being salt and light, let me read this from the message real quick. I just love the way Eugene Peterson put this. He says, here's another way to put it. You, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I made you a light bearer, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a basket do you? I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that I have put you there on a hill, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives, be open, be, uh, op- uh, by opening up your other, to others, you will prompt people to open up more to your generous God. Now think about that. He said, you, you and I are to bring out the God colors. I really truly believe this. If we're walking with God and we're walking in Him as He is the light, and we are fellowship with God, when you walk into the room, I, 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 the, something should change, because the presence of God just walked in there. You are the you, you are the temple of God, Amen. The Spirit of God dwells in you, and when you walk in the room, there should be something different about what's going on. You shouldn't just go, go and jump in with all the everything everybody else is doing. Let the light of Jesus shine. Don't compromise your faith. These, I'm talking about people who these people were called. See, we're called to serve. We're called to be servants. Jesus even said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom to many. You're called to be a servant. Now look what he goes on to say about being a servant. He says this. He says, then they begin to argue. This is in Luke chapter 22. This is after he's done. They begin to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And then Jesus told them, In the world the kings and great, lord, great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. Now look at the verse 26. But among you it will, it will be different. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be a servant. And now listen to this verse 20, 27. Who is important? The one that sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course. But not here, Jesus said. Not here, for I am among you as one who serves. And church, how many know we've been called to serve? Amen? We've been called to serve a dark world. We've been called to serve one another. We've been called to touch people's lives. I know people that had calls on their life and they just went crazy with something uh, to the point where they got distracted and they moved all totally away from what they'd been called to do. But through repentance, they were able to regain and to come back. Church, another thing we're called to do, and I'm just giving this as an introduction, okay? We are called to forgive. We are called to forgive. You say, well, you don't understand what somebody's done to me. If you're a born-again believer, you have no other choice but to forgive. That's the only choice you have, is to forgive. 
You have, you have no other choice. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, nobody said it was fair in the kingdom of God. God deals with each one of us differently. But we are called to forgive. You, if you hold anything in your heart, you need to deal with it. Let me just give you a couple of passages of Scripture. These won't be on the screen, but I'm just going to give these to you. If you forgive others the wrongs they have done to you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive the wrong you have done. That's in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. In uh, Luke, it says this. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and each time he comes and says, I repent, you must forgive him. Doesn't that sound like kind of crazy? But that's what, this is what Jesus said. And that's in, that's in Luke 17, 3 and 4, through 4. Now look at this one. And when you stand, pray, forgive anything you have against anyone, so that your Father in heaven will forgive the wrong you have done. In Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 25. Then just one more. He says this. Do not judge others and God will not judge you. Do not condemn others and God will not condemn you. You forgive others and God will forgive you. So we have no choice but to walk in forgiveness. Amen. He said we are to forgive just as Christ forgave us. How did Christ forgive us? He died for us. So these are some of the biblical callings that you and I, every believer, is called to do. Now, some of you may have uh, gifts that God has put in you, and that's something that you're passionate about. Listen, many times, things that you're passionate about could be a calling that God has placed in your life. Something that God wants you to do, that he's called you to do. And maybe you haven't done all of it, but maybe you're saying, well, I want to be used of God. See, we are called to go. We're called to go do the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. In Matthew, he says that we're called to go to the world. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says, teach the new disciples to obey the commandments I have given you, and be sure this, I am, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So we are called to go. So let me just give those to you real quick again. We're called to forgive. We're, we're called to to share the gospel, we're called to serve, we're called to, to be like Christ, to be the light of the world, and we're called to go into the world. So you may be sitting here and saying, watching, or watching online, feeling like, I've messed up. There's no way God could ever use me. Has anybody ever felt that way? That you messed up so bad, God can never use you? That how, how would God even use me for who I am and the junk that's in my life and the things I've done? See, throughout the Word of God, we can see people who turn from God Turn from God, and if that person was willing to repent, you know, a lot of times God would restore them, and, many, and, and, and they would continue on in ministry. But other times, there's people who were called, and they go away from that calling or go away from God, and all of a sudden, they're not repented of it, and they're never restored. Some kings in the old, throughout the Old Testament, you remember, when they did evil, God would remove them from the throne, Correct? And many times they would be taken captive, sometimes killed, and, but they were never restored. But there was, I wanted to compare two people today in the Word of God. I want, to see, I want us to look at how David and Saul responded to their sin. How did David and Saul respond to it? Let's talk about Saul first. How did Saul respond to, uh, the King Saul respond to his sin? When it said, the Word of God says in uh, 1 Samuel 15, 5, 15, it is true that the army spared the best of the sheep and the goats and cattle. 
Samuel admitted. Samuel had just, or Saul had admitted. Samuel had just, the prophet had come to him. And the word, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We, we have destroyed everything else. Remember the story. Let me give you the background story so people may not know about it. In this portion of scripture, Saul was told to go and wipe out this entire group of people. He was not to spare anything, not, not, the best of nothing. They were to, to kill the cattle. They were to kill everything because God's anger was against them. And here's the thing. When Saul, when Saul, when Saul disobeyed the Lord's direct commandment, the prophet Samuel came to him and confronted him about this. See, he made excuses for his disobedience. Look what he said. He said, he said oh, the people took it. That's kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden when he said, oh, it was Eve. None of us ever tried to switch the blame off on somebody else when we got in trouble, have we? Now think about this. He uses it, he uses excuse, excuse. Rather than owning his sin and asking for forgiveness, he, in pride he, he follows the footsteps of, of Adam, like I said. And he argues that his sin is not that big of a deal. And he points his finger at everybody else. Saul started out with, with a bright future. He was the first king of Israel. He was anointed and was called with a great celebration. Yet, due to his sin and refusal to repent, the Lord removed him from the kingdom. Took the anointing from him. Said, you're no longer going to be king. And, look as, and that's how he responded. He would not take ownership for what he'd done. And you know, there's a lot of people in the church that instead of taking ownership of their failures and shortcomings, they want to blame everybody else. A lot of times we, I've heard people like to blame, blame it a lot of times on their upbringing. Hey, listen, when you got saved, you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Amen. You're responsible for your actions. And let me tell you, for your actions, there's always consequences, whether good or bad, that you're going to have to deal with. So we see that Samuel, or Saul, did not deal with his sin too well. He blamed it on everybody else. Look at David's response here for a moment. David, too, was, was, uh, was committed, he committed some horrifying things. I mean, remember David's story a little bit? But he, he had Uzziah killed killed or plotted his murder had an affair with Bathsheba and did did some other things but those are the major things and he and he tried to he I think tried to hide his sin for a while but the spirit of God was dealing with him see even though he had these horrifying sins he responded in a very different way than Saul did just as the prophet Samuel confronted Saul and of his sin the prophet Nathan came to David and confronted him about his sin and look what David's response was when, he, when uh, Samuel came to him. It says, Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He owned it. He says, I've messed up. I made a mistake. And uh, Nathan replied, he said, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die in your sin. There's a difference between an unrepented and a repented heart. Amen? It's a different attitude. And you see this in David. He has a different attitude. David took ownership of his sin rather than thinking of of an excuse. And David describes the details of the emotions that went on in his life. I mean, we're going to read Psalm 51. If you want to go there, if you got your Bible, Psalm 51. Because this is David's lament as he knew that he had sinned against God at the time when he uh, had uh, plotted murder against Uzziah and also had taken Uzziah's wife uh, as, as his own. Now look at this. 
Go with me to uh, chapter 51, verse 3 and 4. I'm actually going to go through the whole thing, but it says, For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proven right in what you say, and your judgments against me is just. In other words, David's saying, God, whatever you, whatever you do, it's just. I'm wrong. I'm sinful. And look at verse 5. I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb. Teach me wisdom even there. And then he says in verse 7, Purify me from my sin, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, and now let me rejoice. Look at this. David, David has even lost the joy of serving God because of the sin that has separated him from God. And he's, he's, saying, he's saying, God, restore to me the joy once again, that I can worship you, that I can just enter into your presence. And that's when, when we rebel against God and we walk away into sin. Can I tell you this? Worship's not the same anymore, is it? The reading of the word's not the same anymore. That's not as important. Loving Jesus is not the same anymore. Because sin has blocked the relationship that you have with God. Now look at this. He says this. Verse, starting verse 9. This is David's lament over his sin. Don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. See, back then, the Spirit of God was not dwelling in men. It would come upon them at times. And, and, and David knew that many times in his life. And he said, say, God, don't take this from me. Don't, don't, don't let my, 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 the calling that you give me, don't let it just die, but resurrect it. Cause it to be resurrected. And then look what he says in verse 14. Forgive me for shedding blood. O God, who saves? Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that, I might, that my mouth may praise you. David, David in his sinful state, was, it was hard to praise God. It was hard to worship God. And I know that for a fact. When I've not been in places where I need to be with God, it's hard to worship. It's hard to praise because you feel the guilt, the condemnation and everything. But I want to let you know God is a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. Now, look what he says in verse 16. He says, you do, not, you do not desire sacrifices or I would offer them. You don't want burnt offerings. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repented heart, O oh God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He's saying, God, help me to get this thing right. Help me to get this thing right. Then he goes, then you will be pleased with the sacrifice offered in the right spirit. How many know your worship is not, when you're, when you're not right with God and you come in and you try to worship, how many know it's not right? You know it in your heart it's not right. When you know that you've walk, deliberately walked away from God or did something you know you're not supposed to, your worship is not right. But when you are where you're walking in your, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and you're living, trying to live your word, life according to the word of God, when you come in and worship, you just feel like you're in the presence of God. You don't feel like there's a wall between you and God. Now look at this. 
He says, they read verse 19 again. He says, then you will be pleased with sacrifices in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. See, David owned up to his sin. That's the reason David never was rejected. That's the reason David, David was resurrected, in a sense, and remained the king of Israel. And the church, the thing about it, I'm trying to get us across this this morning, you have a calling upon your life. And you may have messed up. You may have blew it. You may have made so many mistakes. But a repentant heart, a broken spirit, a contrite spirit, God won't turn away from. God will restore you. I've seen God restore so many people who have walked away, but they, they were broken over their sin, just like David was. And they were willing to say, God, I admit I'm wrong. I've sinned against you. See, church, are you a David or a Saul? That's the question. Are you a David or a Saul when it comes to dealing with your sin? Are you one that tries to blame somebody else? Or are you the one that says, hey, it's me. It's me. See, in closing, I'm going to get, get to this thing here. There's a New Testament example I want to kind of give you this morning. And we won't read all the scripture at all. I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. But you find the story in chapter 13 of the book of Acts. Barnabas and Saul are on their, they're going on, they're on their first missionary journey. They take a young man by the name of John Mark. John Mark is, is Barnabas' nephew, basically. And as they're going on the first missionary trip, you find out in verse 13 that John Mark left them or abandoned them. He just, he just for some reason, he just, okay, I'm out of here, and left. That didn't set well with Paul so much. Because as you, as you read on in the scripture, they kept, Paul and Barnabas got ready to do their second missionary journey. And guess who Barnabas wanted to bring with him? John Mark, right? So what did John Mark, he, Paul say? He, Paul says, I'm not having nothing to do with that. Basically, Paul had written him off. So he blew it. He's messed up. There's no way that we're gonna, God can use him. He just did not follow through. We're done. And the Bible says that there was such a heavy dispute between Barnabas and Saul. I mean, it was hot. It got hot in their argument to the point where they separated from each other. That's the first church split right there. You didn't get that. Did you? <laughs> but they separated from each other. That's how bad it was because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. John Mark and Barnabas said, OK, we're done. And so he takes John Mark with him and Paul takes Silas with him. And they go their separate ways. As they go their separate ways, I don't know what happened between the time John Mark abandoned them at first and what's happened toward the end. But you know what? John Mark recovered. He recovered. Now listen, the, the word said they had the sharp disagreement, but then all of a sudden you find out, we, we see later on in the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, he calls John Mark as a son. He says he's a son. And then you find out, as you look down, as the, these things happen, we find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul, toward the end of his ministry, end of his life, look what it says. It says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark, this is John Mark, this is the same Mark, with, with you when you come, for he will be a helpful to me in my ministry. The same Paul that rejected him, 
is now the same Paul that says, hey, I need him. I don't know about you, but I think it's a fabulous story. When you look at it, that here's a guy that disqualified himself in the sight of Paul's eyes. And Paul says, he's not going with us. And there's such a dispute. All of a sudden, God says, he's going to use John Mark. Maybe you're a person in here. You felt a call on your life at one time or another. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Maybe you felt a call on your life at one time or another. And maybe because of your failure and your sin, you felt like I could never be restored. I could never be healed. I could never be re- back in ministry. I could, God, how could God ever use me? I want to let you know this morning, God can use you. You just have to be repentive. You've got to come and say, God, I, I really realize I've sinned against you. See, David didn't, really, David didn't say, oh, I've sinned. God, no, he says, I've sinned against you, God. I've sinned against you. And I need you to restore me. I need you to restore me. God, I just asked the Lord this morning, all across this room, there may be someone here this morning. Father, they, they failed so many times. And God, they, they just felt like they're broken and they can never be used. But God, I, w- I just pray, God, they would sense the sweet spirit of God drawing them right now. Say, I, I, you're still called. You're still called. The word of God says that the calling of God is irrevocable. I mean, I know he's talking about with Israel, but I believe it's with us too. God doesn't, re- doesn't take the call off of our life unless we, re- we deny it. But if you're willing to say, God, I need you. I've sinned against you. There's restoration. There can be healing. So right now, with everybody just bow just for a moment. Is there anybody that says, I've messed up. I know God has, has called me. I know my, I am called by God to serve him. And I've called, he's given me certain things in my life to be used for his glory. But I, I feel like I've disqualified myself because of my, my failures. Because of the mistakes I've made. If that's you, would you just write where nobody looking around? Just slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you. You feel like you've missed it, missed it. Yes. Anybody else? Says, I feel like I've missed it. Yes. Father, for those hands that went up and said, I feel like I've blown it. I feel like I missed the call because I, I, I wasn't sensitive to you. I wasn't looking to you. I was looking to my own self. And Father, I just pray, God, that they would, right now they would be broken before you and say, I need to come back to you in a greater way than ever before. And God, I take ownership of what I've done. And I ask you to forgive me. I'm not going to blame the, the, anyone but myself. I made the choice. And God, I ask you to forgive me and restore me, oh God. As David lamented over his sin, God, he said, God, restore the joy of your salvation to me. Restore our joy, O God. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that this message encouraged and inspired you in your journey with Christ. For more information, you can visit our website at th.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Tower Hill NH. To give online, you can go to th.church. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.